Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative Podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. All right, what's up, everyone out there? Back in action at the top of the month with another exciting episode and a story. And boy, is it going to be a story today because I have with me the one and only Caroline Rena, who we're going to get to know here in just a moment. Before we hear Caroline's story and learn more about her and the wonderful work that she does, I just want to invite you to check out allthingsnarrative.com, follow us on social media, and subscribe so that you never miss more great stories because we believe that everyone has a story to tell. And this is a place where people can tell their stories meaningfully, and hopefully that's inspiring to people like you out there. So thank you so much for tuning in. And now, without further ado, I want to introduce to you the one and only Caroline Rena. <laughs> you keep saying the one and only. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am actually right. Yeah. yeah. And even if there's another Caroline Rena out there, you're the only one that I know, the only one here doing this podcast. And the only one that's me. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yes. So Caroline is a transformational coach. And we're going to get more into what sort of transformation Caroline does and what she's interested in. Uh, she's also a fellow podcaster. So she had a podcast called The Ride of My Life, where she, through podcasting, worked through her healing journey. And so we're going to get to hear her story and what she does as a coach and lots of exciting things because we met a few months ago at a networking group, right, here in Lake Worth. Yeah. And we were just talking for a little while at different times. And then you came out to one of our storytelling events that mm -hmm. we do every quarter. And that was your first one. So if you don't mind me asking, what was that experience like for you for coming into this place where people just get up on stage, tell their stories, right? What, what was that like for you? Uh, I have to say it was really powerful because uh, for most of my life, even though I inside of myself, I felt powerful to a point, mm. I was kind of always pushed down yeah. into that whole not good enough space. Mm. So I never came out and showed the real me. And that particular event was the reason it was so powerful was because I was able to step out on stage to talk, like I've done it before for singing. Mm -hmm. However, for talking, that's always been a challenge for me. Mm. So it gave me that opportunity to share my story uh, of healing yeah. and connect with others who have also been through things because I feel like most people have been through trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so absolutely. What, yeah. So it's huge. The connecting piece, right? Because when we tell our stories, it's an invitation to say, let's connect. Mm -hmm. And... We all have our own traumas, things that we've been through, that we've worked through, right? Right. And so part of the human experience is not holding that in, right? That's not right. Not letting that stay within our bodies, within our beings, within our spirits, but actually being able to heal. And part of that healing is finding that human connection with other people. Right. And being open about our experiences, right? Right, yeah. And that had always been a huge um, issue for me, mm. especially over the last, uh, I want to say, 
four years yeah. because when I was going through – working through the things that I was working through in the last four years, I stepped back from people. Mm. And I put myself in a place of isolation because I was so fearful of being with people because everything hurt. Like I'm yeah. being highly sensitive or empathic. I pick up on other people's energies and I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I was wondering because – that's something that a lot of people might not be familiar with. So can you tell us a little bit more about what being an empath means, what that entails? Sure, sure. And yeah. how that's uh, been a part of your life. Right. Um, so being highly sensitive, I'm, I'm both. Being highly sensitive has to do with it's, it's a trait. It's an actual okay. trait. So we were born with it. 15 to 20 percent of the population are, is highly sensitive. And I think it runs similar with empaths. Okay. So the difference between highly sensitive and being an empath is as a highly sensitive person, uh, you feel deeply. There's there's like most people can go through things and, you know, wipe wipe themselves off and move on. Right. For For highly sensitive people, it's more of a – you know, I can feel like the energies that are going around, going mm. on around me. Mm-hmm. And back in the day when I wasn't a hundred, I didn't know what really what was going on. Yeah, I used to be told things like, "Oh, you're so sensitive. You're dramatic. You cry too much. Why yeah. don't you stop crying so much about everything?" And it had nothing to do with whatever was going on. It had yeah. to do with me feeling all the stuff around me so deeply that I couldn't. I couldn't manage it. Now, when you say feeling everything around you, are you talking about like, is it like a physical sensation? Is it emotional, mental? Uh, it depends on the highly sensitive person. Okay. For me, it's very physical. I okay. feel, I literally feel it in my nervous system. Wow. So having, on top of that, having the trauma that I experienced growing up and throughout my life, that mm-hmm. kind of like stacked yeah. on top of each other. And um, so- I knew what it felt like when someone was going through pain. I could feel Mm. the depth of their pain as well. And that's where the empath piece kind of comes in too, where you can can feel other people's energies, Um, whether they're sad or happy or, you know, like I used to do things like walk into a room and I'd see someone with a look on their face or whatever and I'd say, are you okay? And they're like, "Uh, I think so. How How do you know? Wow. You know, so that's how powerful that can be. But yeah. I didn't recognize that in myself. Mm. So that's where. How, how how was it that you came to realize that that's what what it was? Was it somebody did somebody like come along and tell you one day or did you discover it? Um, I think I'm a Reese. I love research. Yeah. So I tend to look deeply within myself anyway, as I was going through my my journey. Yeah. And it was just a, a point in time where, you know, I was like. Well, this sounds interesting and it just popped in. I don't even I can't even tell you how it came into my life. It's just something that came in and I'm like maybe I need to look into this and I did this with everything. Yeah. So that's how I progressed on my journey and this was part of that and it helped me to recognize something about myself that was not something wrong with me. Yeah. You know, and I got so tired of thinking I was broken and that there's something wrong and that I needed to fix myself. Mm. And I know I know that's what a lot, a lot of people feel that way, especially the, nowadays. There could be something so liberating about having that sense of clarity, right? Oh, my gosh. When you yeah. find something, you yes. find the, the language yes. for it. Yes, and that's um, – I'm glad you brought that up because um, language is important for me. Writing is important for me. Yeah. I've, I've been journaling since I was – 
I don't know, 10, something like that. Mm -hmm. For me, a word clarifies the beginning of the journey that I go on with that word, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. You know, and so like with the highly sensitive or empath, it's like, oh, okay, so let's go down this road and see what it's about and see if I, you know, resonate with it. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I've told people something similar in that, you know, sometimes you just have to try something mm-hmm. and see how it sticks, how it, how it connects with you. And a lot of that is language, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we're in a time right now where it's very interesting when you look at language and, and all these different things. What's interesting about it is that a lot of a lot of us that I'm discovering in mm-hmm. my own journey don't know the language yeah. of who they are, right. of the, the truth of who they are. We're told who we are, mm-hmm. and we go through our lives thinking that we're – so we're going on this journey of this one version of language when there's another direction of, Absolutely. of our truth, but we get to – Find, find out what that well, is. Well, and that's, um, that's one of the things that I, I read that you do is you help people to kind of discover what they want, right, in life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's – I mean that's a huge part of what I do um, in terms of narrative practices and stories, right, because we talk about the difference between – you ever heard the difference between an internal state and an intentional state? So internal states are things that like are innate in you, but you can't really control them. You don't really have a say what they are, right? So this would be like your strengths finder, your Myers-Briggs, like those kind of things, right? It's already Um, given. Yeah, exactly. It's flat. Okay. Um, And all you have to do is just figure out what it is and then you kind of move on from there. Right. What what I do, and and maybe this will resonate with what you do as well, with narrative practices is we're more interested in intentional states. So in other words, what are the things that you are intentional about deciding for your own life? So besides wants, uh, some of the other things that we have categorized under that as well would be things like hopes, dreams, values, beliefs, sense of purpose, commitments, skills, knowledge. These are all things that you have to make an active choice in, right? You have to decide what are my values going to be. You might have values that are given to you or that you're raised up in, but at the end of the day, you have to make a decision Absolutely. of which of those values you're going to take, which values do you need to go out mm-hmm. that you want to live by. And same with any of those categories. So does does that kind of connect with what you're doing? It does. There's this is almost the uh, the next level of what I what you're talking about is like the next level of what I do because there are people out there yeah. who have these uh, belief systems that mm. we carry within ourselves from the, from mm-hmm. being taught as children, right? You know that we're not good enough. Like there there are yeah. amazing creative people out there who were told, well, that stinks. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not worth it. This is, well, and they hide. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes a belief system. Right. And it's right. a lie. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're, and if you've been hugely traumatized, cause there's versions of trauma, there's, mm-hmm. you know, micro and macro traumas, yeah. you hold these belief systems within your nervous system mm-hmm. and you keep running the story mm-hmm. within your, yes, within yes. your beliefs, right? And well, it's literally in your brain. Well, like if you go to neuroscience, nervous, right? Yes, and yeah, it's all both. It's a connective yeah, thing. Yeah, so tell us right? a little bit more about that connection there and between like the brain, the nervous system, because I'm, I'm very familiar with like the neuroscience, but I'm not yes. as familiar about how it relates with the rest of the body. So 
if anyone has ever heard of mind body, mm-hmm. they talk about mind body. So the mind and the body work together. Yeah. It's part of it. So the heart actually has a brain in it. The gut has a brain in it. The mm. brain has a brain. Mm. So everything is connected in the in the heart and our feelings and emotions and all that connect everything together. Yeah. With with the mind, we start to ruminate. We start to think. We think 60,000 thoughts a day and most of them nowadays are negative. So mm-hmm. it adds to that belief, those belief systems that we have, then we feel worse about right. ourselves. So by moving forward through the process into the nervous system, and this is, I can tell a story about, mm-hmm. about yeah. how I figured this out. Uh, I had a an email sent to me one day from my insurance company after I bought, uh, I traded my car in. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, your insurance rates will go down, you know, whatever. And they oh, sent the boy. email and <laughs> said my insurance rates went up like 200 bucks and I couldn't figure out what was you going You get on. punished for having the latest thing. Right, right. Something that's going to be, you oh, know, better for, and safer, you know, gas mileage, yeah, safer. Whatever. Yep, yeah. I felt the same way. Yep, yep. And so what happened was I could, like I've done my work up until this time and I knew the language and I knew everything going on and I was the observer watching, you know, what was happening. Yeah. And I got this email and thank goodness I was at a friend's house that he, uh, he held space for me during this because I got up, my nervous system kicked in, mm-hmm. my stress response kicked in, and I'm walking around, I'm shaking, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I couldn't breathe, all this stuff that normally happens when you go through a stress response, right? Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck is happening? Because I know logically I'm safe, mm-hmm. right? But our stress response, our nervous system is there to protect us from a tiger chasing us, yeah. Yeah. right? But in our day, in our day, and what goes on in this time frame at this point in life is we have gotten stuck within that stress response system. Mm-hmm. So we, when we get in it, the body takes over, and mm. it's very difficult from for your mind to say unless you've done some of the work and understand the wording, is um, for your mind to say, "Oh no, you're okay." Mm-hmm. It's okay. You're going to go around, you know. Oh my god. Oh my god. You know all the, this kind of thing, and so. Being able to heal the nervous system uh, from doing that, this, that's called dysregulation. Okay. And um, there are people out there who have been so traumatized that they are so dysregulated mm-hmm. that they have a hard time regulating themselves. Yeah. So there's, a, there's many different processes on how to do that. Mm-hmm. And, but the connection between the mind and the body is the main part of this because if you get to a point through meditation and through, you know, different ways of of healing Mm -hmm. that you're able to slow that down and not fall into that hole and not feel like you're crashing and burning. Yeah. And that's what I was – that's the work I needed to do and that was the starting point when I saw that because I'm like, why – again, why am I freaking out when I know that I'm safe right now? Yeah. So how did you – how did you go about learning how to do that? Like, is that something that you researched? Did you talk with people about it? Was it things on the internet? Is there like ed- like formal training in it? Um, so most of the things that I did were hearing about things or something comes up or yeah. a friend reaches out to me and says, hey, now I know what's going on. Let's try it out. And mm-hmm. so for that year that I was on the podcast, that mm-hmm. I did my podcast, I was traveling throughout the United States mm. in that car that I bought <laughs> yeah. with the insurance rates going up, right? <laughs> and um, I went to different, a couple of different places where I stayed with some friends of mine who who actually guided through, guided me through somatic body work. Mm. And it's the somatic piece, which is the body, rather than the analytical piece of it, that helped 
me to learn how to um, settle my nervous system. Yeah. So there are things like tapping and breath work, mm-hmm. and there are other. There's there's a lot of different things out there, but these were a couple of the things that I discovered in the process, mm-hmm. and it was interesting because. I'm not afraid to try something new. I yeah. don't. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't care what it is as long as it's going to help me, sure, right? Sure. And sometimes, okay, so it's a little troubling a yeah. little bit, but um, but just being able to discover that and and mm. notice a year and a half later that this dis- like I used to dissociate. I used to mm. if something if something. Um, made me feel like I was in a in a situation, even if I wasn't, yeah. I would literally go into my mind's closet yeah. and hide out in there. And I did that up until four four years ago or three years ago. Was that something that existed like when you were younger or is that something that kind of came over time? That existed when I was little. Okay. It existed um, as me going in my closet. Okay. Literally, because yeah. when I was a child, if something scared me or whatever, I would go inside my closet to feel safe. As an adult, if you go in a closet, somebody's going to think, you know, and of course, you already think you're not good enough, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't do those things. You switch it up, but you're still using the same yeah. protective mechanisms that mm-hmm. that that you use as a child. Right. But you're an adult now. Now this is the piece where you get to take responsibility yeah. for what's happening in your life and recognize that I have to say to begin with, when you were a child, it wasn't your fault. Yeah. Whatever happened to you was not your fault. Right. When you get older though, it is your responsibility mm. to recognize what happened to you as a child and learn how to walk through what went on and yeah. heal yourself so you don't have to live your life like this because it gets it I'm I just turned 59 it gets worse when it gets old when you get older mm. so if you don't start doing something when you recognize it it's going to start hurting more and more and more until you do and it's it's not anything to punish you mm-hmm. it's more of a like the universe is doing this for you rather mm. than to you it's just like oh it's being in tune with your own being right because i think a lot of the time our bodies try to tell us things you know and i mean we know the obvious things right like if you stub your toe your body's like hey that was not watch where you're going right (laughs) that That hurt but but there's other things that we don't always think of Mm -hmm. that our our body is communicating to us you know i have to use interestingly, it's not even about thinking. It's mm-hmm. about paying attention to and feeling it. Because yeah. we were we were programmed, especially my generation, we're programmed not to feel mm. our feelings. So if we can't feel our feelings, we freeze. Interesting. And, yeah. And that's part of the nervous system too. That's part of the fight or flight. Yeah. I definitely think my generation was a little different. Mm-hmm. I feel like feelings were all the rage growing up. <laughs> well, and I'm glad that happened too. And I'm noticing, yeah. I find that I'm connecting more with which which generation are you? Millennial. In? You're a millennial. Okay. So every generation from about 38 down to about 16 to 18. Yeah. There's a whole, you guys are wise. 
There's a wisdom in there that we didn't know about. And we're the ones, I feel like my generation, were the ones that had to learn all the things that, like, we were, my generation was yeah. 60s. It was the, you know, hippie generation. And mm-hmm. I came out of that hippie generation. So they started this process for us. Yeah. If it wasn't for the hippies, you guys wouldn't even know what, what it was. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. In a way. But yeah. coming to this earth after we did, mm-hmm. you already know this anyway, intrinsically. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had our, our whole subculture, you know, when I was uh, in high school that I was a part of, you know, with the emo like subculture and it was all about emotion, like yeah. feeling emotion. Right. And then, you know, so there were a lot of things about that that can really breed empathy, mm-hmm. that can breed understanding. Right. And then I think the I'd love to hear your perspective on this. I think one of the pitfalls in my generation that you know, as we were working through this is kind of like that, oh, well, you just have to feel everything all the time and everything you feel is good and justified and right. And that's kind of where I'm like, as I've gotten older, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think I felt some things that were not good, that were not right. And they were, they were real, but they really needed to be dealt with, right? Yeah. yeah. So what, what's your take on that? So my take is that um, there's a pendulum Mm -hmm. And in life, the pendulum always swings. It's Mm. always going from one extreme to the other extreme to the other extreme constantly. And until you wake that up Mm -hmm. in yourself and recognize that pendulum's going back and forth, that like you're saying you did, that you're like, wait, this isn't right. This Mm -hmm. doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right to me, right? Yes. Yeah. So – it's almost as if it's this wake-up call that comes in. How old are you? I'm 31. Okay, so you're in the perfect spot for that because between the ages of 28 and 31, there's – there's for those of you, I don't know, listening, if you know about this, but there's a thing called a Saturn return. It's in astrology. Mm-hmm. And the Saturn return is you're, you're in your first Saturn return. Hmm. I'm actually in my second one. Mm. When you're in your first one, you're looking outside. You're trying to figure all these things out. What's my life look like? What's happening? Yeah. I'm, I, you know, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got with my, with the second Saturn return, from what I understand, you start coming inward and, and yeah. becoming who that was yeah. that works for you. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard something similar in terms of and it's it's partially psychological, partially like different like cultural discourses. But the idea that like the first half of your life, you're really focused on like, I, I don't know if outward is the right word, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like you're really focused on like, ooh, I got to achieve this. I got to go to school. I got to get married. I got to have kids. I got to, you know, all the checklists, right? Of all the things you got to do. Yep. Uh, you got to get a job, get a career going. But then like you get to like around maybe like 40 ish. Mm-hmm. And let's say you've arrived with all those things, right? Quotes, quotes, <laughs> exactly. Air quotes arrived. But that journey inward is something that I've I've heard the second half of your life is really all about. And it's not that you don't have an inward journey um, in the first half of your life, because you obviously do in order to get to where you are. But it's that you as a person become really focused on that inward journey, which Mm -hmm. is one of the things that at first really surprised me, but it's become less surprising as time goes on, is people ask me, what age group most wants to work with you? What would you say? You're asking me that question? Yeah, what would you think, like, for me? 
It's interesting because uh, I keep getting pulled into that 18 to 38-year-old, skimming up into maybe 45. Yeah. But it's not my generation. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's because um, I don't know what it is, and it's been happening a lot for me that I've attracted all these old souls and um, – like I, you're an old soul. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'll, I'll embrace that. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, at old souls and the highly sensitive and the empaths, but these these um this generate this eighteen to thirty eight year old yeah. piece of it, I part of it for me is mm. I learn from them too. Yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. and it's important also for them to know that they're heard as as I am learning from them. Yeah. And for that generation to know that like I don't even know how to explain this because a lot maybe it'll I'll just say it so your generation is here to change the world that's that's what we were told you're the world changers however I'm not (laughs) saying it as a as a pressure yeah cooker right right. I'm saying it as your embodiment mm-hmm. into this lifetime mm-hmm. is with the wisdom that you carry and with the knowledge that you carry in with you through DNA, mm-hmm. ancestral DNA, you know, yeah. whatever that is. Um, you're here to change the systems that are breaking mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. And what you know are things that we didn't. And I feel like I have been placed here to kind of guide that yeah and that's why i connect so well with that yeah. age group so that's usually the ages that come that are coming. see it's so fascinating how that happens because for me i'm younger i'm 31 but for me most of the people that want to work with me are over 50 which is so fascinating because i did not think for the life of me all these people want to work with someone so young but why well this is where There's we get into my, my discourse, <laughs> my insecurities, right? Okay. Yeah, always been uncomfortable with the fact that I look like if you physically see me, right, I'm shorter. I look really young. I always get carded, mistaken for, You'll you like know. You'll like that at my age, but go yeah, ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I still don't like it now. Okay. Um, but I've always been just a little like okay, how do I make myself look older, appear older, like all that kind of stuff? And somebody told me that worked with me and and still is working with me. They said, well, your youthfulness is what attracted me to wanting to work with you. I was like, what? And I was like, I was like, I didn't believe it. Like I was blown away. I was like, no way. Like, really? And they're like, yeah, like you're just so lively and passionate about what you're doing and you're also like not super like set in in everything, right? You're open to the person that you're with, but at the same time you know a lot of things and you're confident in what you know. So it's like I was like, "Oh, I've never been told like that before from someone of that age, you know?" So that was really meaningful to hear that and it changed my perspective on things. Well, I'm glad it did because that was what drew me into you as well because oh, wow. my generation at least from my perspective of the of my experience mm-hmm. of it um is very like everything has to be like this. Everything's got to be, you know, serious. Everything is yeah. and when and and 
I've lived my life that way. And when mm-hmm. I come across somebody like you, your your energy, your wisdom, your understanding, you know, your excitement, it's like, oh yeah, cool. Now I can be now I can be myself. I don't have to be that uh, serious adult. You know? Yeah, I, that's like a theme I've noticed a lot. Like I used to do drum circles. Out in, like, downtown West Palm Beach. Okay. You know, just for fun. You know, just people got a bunch of drums. People just can come and we play together, you know. Nothing nothing weird about it or anything. Just playing music. But, you know, doing that and in general just when you're teaching people, like, music, it's really fascinating because with drums, I've had people who, like, have come to drumming things I've done and they're just, like, cross arms. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be good at this or I don't know if I'm going to like this. I'm mm. like, I'll just try it. But then once people, like, have that freedom to just play and just, it like, let their body, let the rhythm, like, let all mm. that happen, yep. they just come alive. And I I just feel like in this world that we're in, you know, there's that disconnect. You know, it's I feel like this conversation is coming back to the mind-body spirit like that whole those things all working together you Mm -hmm. know and i feel like for a lot of people because of maybe the pressures of society or the discourses that they've been inherited it's hard for people to just kind of let go Mm -hmm. and be free even i like i get embarrassed like to dance that's still one thing that i have a hard time with publicly mm-hmm. is is just dancing, you know, unless I'm really comfortable with the people there. Yep. But it's something I've, you know, worked on. Yeah. And I think we all got our things that we're working on, right? Yes, absolutely. And I want you to know though that all everyone, everyone, especially the people who are listening to this and are interested in this, mm-hmm. there's a process that we all go through that you want something. You want something yeah. bigger than yourself. Absolutely. You want, you want that as part of your life. Mm-hmm. The The interesting thing is, is that we've had it trained out of us what with you want. societal yep. rules and laws and all these different things. And I'm not saying go out and break laws or whatever. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that it, it's, it, it doesn't help us to realize who we are. It doesn't help us to realize the truth of who we are. And who we are is this amazing spark of light and love and connection and and humanness and, and, you know, metaphysicalness and, you know, all of it. We're all of it, but we're taught and, and we're taught not to be that. And so when it comes into our lives, then we're, then we're like, well, what the heck is this? I don't understand this. I'm not supposed to do this. Well, and to bring it back to stories, right? I mean, stories are about characters that want something Mm -hmm. and they have to overcome, you know, a problem to get that right. Mm -hmm. And to get what they need as well out of that. But it's so fascinating because if you look at a lot of, you know, really well-known stories out there, even think of ones that you really resonate with you, a lot of the times there's a character that wants something that's at odds with, you know, the tribe or the village or the town, right, or the family. And, yeah, hands go up, right? (laughs) Hands go up. (laughs) Yeah. And it's recognizing that that's part of the journey. Yes. And it's going out there. It's going out and embarking on the adventure. Like you, you're familiar with the hero's journey. So it's like you have that call to adventure, that sense of, oh, I want something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. You've got that refusal where you're like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I could actually do that. I don't know if that's for me. But then once you go forward, once you cross that first threshold, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go into the unknown, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When you go into that space there. Yep. 
And that's when you're, uh, as Joseph Campbell talks about, that's when you're going inward, right? So you're going deeper and more inward, right? And, and, and further, yeah. The universe opens up for you because that mm-hmm. first step that all it is, all it is is taking or making a choice. Mm-hmm. And then the minute you make that choice, everything starts to converge. But sometimes you don't even know that that's happening. But yeah. the minute you take that step, like you're saying, that's when things start showing up for you. Mm-hmm. That's when, you know, you're like, well, I don't have enough money to do this. And I don't have I don't know where I'm going to go. And I don't know this. And I don't know. Every single time that I fought that and resisted it. I was in pain. Yeah. When I didn't, things just started showing up. To help me move along this journey, you know, yeah. and that's the cool thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, and that's why it's interesting to explore the relationship between like stories that are that we encounter that are like fictional mm-hmm. and then our own psyches. Yep. Right. Yep. And then how that plays out in our lives. Yes. So, again, the hero's journey is a great example of that. You encounter that in a story, something in you lights up and you're like, oh, that's it. I really like that. Why'd you like it? I don't know, but I guess it inspired me. It was meaningful. I don't know. But then there's something in your psyche, right? The human psyche, because that's one of the things Joseph Campbell talks about is like these stories transcend cultural boundaries. Uh Like how on earth is it that Native American stories over here, Chinese stories over here, ancient Mesopotamia, Jewish story, like there's similar ideas Mm -hmm. that they really value, right? And- it's interesting to kind of compare and look at, oh, wow, like this thing, you know, any, you can pick any of those stages of the hero's journey and you're like, oh, wow, this manifests in this mythology and this religion and this mm-hmm, culture, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep. And you're kind of like, oh, wow, what's going on here? And there's something in, in the, the human psyche mm-hmm. that comes out with this. And there's something about when you fight that, you, it's exactly what, what, what you said, where it's, you almost feel that that tension, that pain within you, right? But once you realize that that's where you are and that's mm-hmm. what's happening, there's a greater degree of almost surrender to it. Absolutely. In the sense yeah. of, okay, like I'm in a story now. I'm here and I don't want to run away from it. I want to go in more inward. And that's the harder part, right? That's the hardest stages mm-hmm. is when mm-hmm. you go deeper and inward. But yeah, and the inward piece of it, I have done a little bit of studying about uh, on Carl Jung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talks about the archetypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have an archetype. Well, we all have all kinds of archetypes. Yes, very true. Very true. You know, part of life we're in Mm -hmm. or what we're doing or what's happening. But the archetypes are the things that, you know, does Joseph Campbell talk about archetypes? Not really, which is why, like, I think Campbell's very good about talking about, like, the, what I call like the plot structure, that kind of thing, like okay. the what. And Carl Jung is very good at the who, yes, the character, yeah. so the archetypes. They come, they come so together, they, yeah, yeah. they complement each other really well. Yeah. And it's like for me, what I, the archetype that's coming out for me, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a couple of them, but sure. I won't talk about them. Um, the main archetype that's coming out for me right now is the wounded healer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is a huge – because as a wounded healer – this is it's the hero's journey. You go through the wounding. Yeah. You get to a point in your life where, like you're talking about, things start coming out. You're trying to figure things out. You move on to the next thing and you discover it's a discovery. It's, yeah. it's a journey. That's why I guess why they call it a journey. You mm-hmm. know? Absolutely. Yeah. So the wounded healer is a big one on this planet because we've all all, all been wounded in yeah. some way. And 
at around 50 years old, we come to a place in our life, especially at that point, where mm. we start to discover. So again, with the astrology, I'm not 100% clear on it, but Chiron is the wounded healer in, in, mm. in um, is it Egyptian mythology. I don't know. I'd have to figure that. I'd have to look that up again. Another research project. <laughs> um, but it's the wound. It's it's coming out and recognizing what your wounds are, what what archetypes were wounded, how you can reconnect with those archetypes right. and, and rebalance yourself. And the most important thing about our lives through the hero's journey mm-hmm. is about balance. Yeah. It's about Absolutely. balancing the masculine and the feminine and, mm-hmm. the, you know, the soul with the the human and, yep. you know, all these things. And we're not put on this planet by mistake. We, right. None of us are mistakes. Right, right. We're put on this planet to allow us to be the big, the bigness that we are. Mm-hmm. And we have to find that. And that's the journey. That's the hero's journey to me. Have you ever heard of a, there's a book called The Wounded Healer. Um, maybe. By Henry Nowen? No, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, so he was a, um, so he was a pastor and he talks about embracing the wounded healer, mm-hmm. like for ministry, okay. for ministering to people. Okay. Uh, it's really, really powerful book, you know, just kind of hearing his journey of understanding what that means for his life. Yeah. And, yeah. and how that affected the, the work that he did with people. Right. There was something that I've heard a couple times you share regarding four years ago, like up until last four years. So I would love to hear if you don't mind sharing. So what was kind of that turning point four years ago to where all of this really started changing for you? Well, it was a relationship that was coming to an end Mm. uh, as the relation, as that relationship, as that form of that relationship. Yeah. The interesting piece of all of this is um, before I get, before I say anything else is this particular relationship was completely all about this part of this hero's journey. Mm. It was like we had come to the end of that piece of our journey together. Yeah. And as I went out and, he went into his space into following what he had to do. Mm -hmm. Um, We came full circle Mm -hmm. and most relationships in my world were done. We're done. Never talking to you again. Yeah. Now this particular growth relationship became an even bigger experience. Mm. So four years ago, we were in relationship. In twenty, in about April 2021, we got out of that relationship, mm-hmm. and it gave us both of us space to discover ourselves because mm-hmm. we were so locked in to. And that was, you know, I mean, people go through relationships, and there's codependency, yeah. and there's all these different things that right. go on. And but you can't recognize these things when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. So it gave us the opportunity to separate. And discover ourselves individually. Mm. And now we are coming, well, not, we have been in the process starting a few months ago of coming back in wow. to this incredibly powerful, beautiful understanding of ourselves and each other at that time. Yeah. 
So that's why th- that time frame was so important because there's so many things. Once I left, I was able to write poetry again. I mm. was able to, you know, together we actually we what's the word sang sung? I don't know. <laughs> we he he's a musician, and we okay. were doing music together, and we recorded yeah. music, and we. Um, we made these beautiful songs and we were playing it at, at, at 432 and 440 hertz. And it was it was like this powerful healing in and of itself mm-hmm. with that. But then once the separate, you know, separateness came, we were able to connect with ourselves yeah. and move forward. Mm. And now I'm telling you, I have never experienced a connection with somebody like this wow. ever in my life. I didn't yeah. even know it could exist. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Something that resonates, I think, speaking for a second to the younger people who mm-hmm. might be listening, right? I think um, a lot of people, I've even the short time I've been here, I've seen people that just really quickly get into a relationship. They might get married really quick, right? Mm-hmm. And the importance of doing that work, mm-hmm. the importance of really understanding who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Because, man, I've seen people get into relationships and they realize that the person that they're with or the person they married is, you know. I, I, I mean, I've always made this, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek to high school students I've worked with. I'm just like, if they're dating someone, I'm like, cool. Just know that that's not the person. They're not going to be that person 10 years from now, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, my wife and I, so we started dating when I was uh, – just going into college. She was in high school. And the funny thing is like, we, the old soul thing you said is so true because like, I feel like not to like toot my own horn or anything, but I had done a lot of work, mm-hmm. a lot of work before we dated. Well, that's in powerful. Fact, You're not, in, in toot, fa- toot away. <laughs> well, in fact, I, uh, I, in my junior and senior year of high school, I abstained from dating completely, wow. intentionally, okay. saying I'm going to spend my last two years of high school working on myself. And that is typical of an old soul. Yeah, yeah. which I don't know. <laughs> I still have not met anyone my age who's ever done that. Okay. Um, but I did that because I knew that when I w- got into college, I wanted to be alert and awake to you know, to love, mm-hmm. to what might happen. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what happened, you know. And she had all, done a lot of work as well, but a lot of, there was a lot of work that we were, it was in progress, right? Because mm-hmm. we didn't get married until four years after we were together, right? So that's a long time yeah. for a lot of people, you know, to really get to know each other. And so being able to do that, I think it's so important to not jump into things, right? Yes. Uh, especially if you're like me and you're a romantic type and yes. you just want to jump into things. Totally get it. I totally get so. it. And it's interesting because especially with my generation, that's what we were taught to do and not everyone- Ring your, by spring. Right? And not everyone <laughs> in your generation is like that. Yeah. More it of us changed, are. Yeah. yeah. The knight in shining armor comes and rescues the damsel in dispre- distress mm-hmm. who's not allowed to say anything anyway. <laughs> She's not allowed to be who she is and she it's has to bow down. definitely a type of narrative. The, uh-huh. Yeah, totally narrative but what i what what i pulled from what you said is um there there are many ways of doing it absolutely so your way worked beautifully for you and what may work for you in that way may Mm -hmm. not work for somebody else so i just wanted to pull that out because 
you can you can make a decision and and take those steps. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the best growth comes from ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then there are times when you get to be in relationship and you've got big growth happening in the relationship as long oh, yeah. as you can pay attention to what's happening and come in with an open mind and not the the rules and the regulations of you know that have been expressed in society about right. relationship right. and just say look we're in this space to grow together you don't mm-hmm. own me i don't own you mm-hmm. i am a free person i get to choose what i need and i also get to communicate with you about what these things are yeah. and you get to do the same thing. Yeah. And for for someone to be able to understand and get into a relationship in that from that angle mm-hmm. is beyond. It's beyond what any anything that you can ever imagine yeah. because if you're holding on to this cleaving together as two souls let no man put asunder, the man that puts asunder this this cleaving is mm-hmm. us. It's mm-hmm. not anybody else. It doesn't yeah. matter. But when we're so in love, we're not paying attention to that. Yeah. And we're in the middle of a, of a wedding ceremony. We're not paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. We want to go through the field of love and we want to enjoy ourselves yeah. and enjoy the you know reception after it mm-hmm. and the honeymoon and all that kind of stuff. But we're not in that space to think about right. what's happening. Right. And the story there is to be able to go in with your eyes open yeah. on you, mm-hmm. not on the other person. But each person coming in that way, where I wish you could see my hands, but um, mm-hmm. I, maybe if you explain it. But so enmeshment and codependency mm-hmm. look like this. So both hands are yeah, like they're going hand in hand, hand in hand together. And yeah, you're, and you're like in this in this thing where neither one of you can get out of it. Right. Where what it need what it is I feel is supposed to be is a parallel journey in Mm -hmm. life where there are times where you're going to separate and go different ways and then you're going to come back together Mm -hmm. and sometimes you come back together more closely and you hang Mm -hmm. out and do things together and then you separate again and as long as both people are in that mindset Mm -hmm. there's not going to be codependency right well it's just creating that space you know yeah like sometimes you need a day to yourself yes sometimes you know my wife would need a day to herself right yes and it's like it's all good we need that time, right? We need that personal time. Yep. But then when we come together, we'll be stronger at that point. Exactly. You That's know, and we'll right. be, we'll be, we'll truly be one, right. but not lose ourselves. Right. Exactly. In that. Exactly. So I got two kind of final things um, I want to ask you about as we kind of start to wrap up here. Okay. So I'd love to hear, you know, you've gone on this journey and now you're in the space of transformational coaching. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into uh, being a coach, like in that specific direction and what you specifically offer to people? So um, as far as how I got into um, being a transformational coach is my intention has always been the only way that I can help other people is having experienced whatever it is myself because I can't sit there and hold space for you, which is which is a gift that I have that I know is powerful mm-hmm. in just being the nurturing at one, in one aspect of being nurturing and then in the other aspect of helping you move into whatever it is that you right. want to do with your life. Mm-hmm. So I ha- I can't just learn this in a book. I have to experience it. It has to be part of my journey in order Mm -hmm. for me to know, especially as a highly sensitive empath, 
you know, if I feel what you're feeling, I know how to, you know, help with that. And it isn't something that I have like step-by-step processes and all this. I mean, I have guidelines on how I do it. Yeah. But I also, I ask somebody to tell me their story Mm -hmm. and they start to say something and there's these words that pop out that I'll write the word down. Yeah. And then when I hear the word, I know exactly where to go with them to mm-hmm. help them walk through whatever it is. Right, right, right. You know. And for for the transformation that I am walking, or I, I, what do I call it, partnering mm-hmm. somebody yeah. with somebody, um, I tend to just allow them at the first couple of um, meetings together to speak their story because mm-hmm. the story is where we tend to get stuck in. It's yeah. where the beliefs are. It's where the challenges are. It's all that. So when they hear that and I get to hear what it is, I'm able to open that space up yeah. and give them room to see it differently, yeah. to see themselves differently. And that's kind of how I got into the um, into it because of my own experiences. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I, I felt that was absolutely the most important thing yeah. for me to do with yeah. that. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Oh, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Okay. Awesome. So the final thing I kind of want to go back to is what we were talking about at the beginning about empaths, right? Right. Have you ever seen any of the Guardians of the Galaxy films? No. So there's a character mm-hmm. in those films. Her name's Mantis. And she's actually what I would call an empath. Like she literally can touch a person mm-hmm. and feel everything mm-hmm. that the person can feel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is really cool because it's like a superpower. But she's also like what I – based on your definition, I would also consider her a highly sensitive person as well just from, you know, what I – see in those films right mm-hmm. um but anyways that made me think of that when you were sharing that but i was wondering if to kind of close up here if you could just share like you know a lot of people would not define themselves as empaths so how can any person who's listening to this episode cultivate the skill of empathy and some of the the ways that they can better connect with other people? Well, to me, empathy and being an empath is a little bit different. Okay. So there are many variations of people with, as far as empathy goes, when you see somebody else in pain, instead of sitting there and jabbing at them or making fun or any of that kind of thing that a lot of us do to lighten the moment up Mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. if somebody's grieving right grieving is a big deal like holding space for someone grieving not trying to lighten the load not trying to do anything just sitting there Mm -hmm. and letting them grieve yeah that's empathy it's really hard not to lighten the load for a lot of people right because it's scary because nobody likes to feel that way so they don't want the other person to feel that way so they make they do whatever they can to keep that from happening but what you're doing is blocking the other person's um, ability and moment mm. to do their healing work. Yeah. So empathy in in that's that's what empathy is. It's just like if you see someone who's in a bad place, just sit next to them and ask either ask if you can put your arm around them or or, or hold you know touch them or if they don't like that, just sit with them. Put mm-hmm. your hands in your own lap and sit with them. And your stuff may come up, mm-hmm. but you get to breathe your way through that. Yeah. And that will help you with the empathy piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, as an empath, mm-hmm. when you start to discover that maybe you 
are an empath, mm. that you have these capabilities, that you feel like you're the wounded healer, which a lot of empaths are, mm -hmm. then you get to start, like, maybe like I did, was do the research. Just start looking empath. What is an empath? Why do I feel this way? Yeah. What's happening to me? Why is this going on? Well, maybe you were put on this planet to help people to feel their feelings because yeah. we've been taught not to. Right, right. You know, so there you are, you yeah. know, and that's where empath and empathy come in together. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's probably the best uh, explanation. I can No, that's that's that. fantastic. And that's something that I can tell you've done with your life. And now you're helping others yeah. to yeah. do that. And yeah. so you're creating that space. And that's a beautiful thing. Thank you. So Thank Caroline, you. where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Okay, so right now uh, I'm I'm not actually doing my own podcast, and I'm uh, working on some other things related mm -hmm. to another podcast, but it hasn't happened yet, so don't get too excited about that. <laughs> um, right now I have a YouTube channel, okay, which you can go to. It's at Caroline Rena, okay. And I also have a TikTok, which I'm also doing the short videos. Oh, see, I don't even have a TikTok. You're you ahead of me on that Woo! one. See, you're but ahead it's of me on that. Generation that showed me how to do that. Okay. <laughs> and in in uh, TikTok, I am at Caroline Rena underscore Peace. Okay. And then the other place you can reach out to me is on my website, which is CarolineRena.com. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you so much thank for you. just sharing your story Absolutely. and having this wonderful discussion. Yeah, I had about, a lot of fun. Yeah. Because you're good. 31. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. I'm telling you, I mean, as serious as this podcast is, yeah. like all these people who see video of me, they're like, you're so intense. And yeah. I'm like, I'm also a lot of fun. He's too. fun. He's so, fun. Trust me, he's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. So, well. Um, thank you guys so much out there for listening, for being a part of this. Check out Caroline and what she does. Check out All Things Narrative and what we're doing as well. And yes, we will be back in two weeks for an exciting conversation. We'll have the guys back on as we dive into uh, the next genre in our series. And yeah, so this is your friendly narrative practitioner, Derek, signing off saying thank you so much. And until next time... Take care.